0: It's our honor to have our friend Hannah Watson with us again today. Yeah. So Hannah is going to light the Advent candle for us to begin the Advent season together, and then she's going to bless us with another poem today.
1: Psalm 130 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities." It was getting kind of late. As my Jeep rumbled down the dusty road, dusk dampened day in a sunset that was truly unimpressive. There was no glittering light or distant western purple, no smirking crescent moon. There was no patter of rain to scatter the air's impurities. I splattered over roadkill, rocks, and hills, and rolled and rolled as I sped eastward towards anywhere but here. The ghost towns blurred behind me like tear-filled memories. I used to call these hiccups along the highway home. When I was callow and innocent, I used to race my friends between these dead streetlights. They still towered, still and useless, like sparse, decaying trees. So my headlights blazed through the murky, simmering darkness, alone. Until all of a sudden, a wandering cloud unmuted, a burning star right in front of me. It was so bright, like all the light in the galaxy shrunk down so I could behold it. Like this one star bore the burden of illuminating the entire universe for a moment. For all of time. It... It was bright, like there was something worth seeing in the field surrounding me, like my hometown was more than just empty businesses and rotting relationships. It was bright, like God finally noticed us, us stepdaughters and immigrants and believers and addicts down here praying. It it was so bright. And grateful tears slipped down my nose as I realized that I had heard stories before about a bright like this. It was bright like that silent holy night in Bethlehem. Two thousand years before me, another young woman rumbled down a dusty road in pursuit of the future that God promised her two thousand years before me. The grass stilled, the sheep kneeled, the whole countryside hushed so that a few reverent shepherds could hear a mass of angels singing songs of peace, pure like siren songs redeemed to lead them to a quiet, dark stable. That's where they found the joy of the entire world. God sleeping in a manger, human incarnate before transfiguration, Before blood on temples, before gospel, simple and sweet, before whip and scars, before rugged cross, before darkness at noon, before three days in tomb, there was a baby. Knit in womb, kicks and heartbeats deep down in mother's belly, before conquer death, before conquer hell, conquer grave, before stone rolled away, there was a baby. Labor pain, drenched in sweat, writhing, screeching, grime in pores, body pulled from twisted, tearing, body, baby. With supple skin and sudden cry after mother gulped down the silence and ached for her baby to breathe. When he finally took his first breath, the musty air grazed his immaculate lungs but couldn't ruin them. So he breathed in, again, and again, and again. I breathed in, again, and again, and remembered everything that I was driving away from and again and louder and harder, then sobbing, then groping for oxygen in my stuffy, polluted car, grabbing for beauty and ashes, gasping for hope and abandon, for future and dropout, for peace and hands up, don't shoot, for God and all the crap that humanity had offered me. They found God and all the crap that humanity had offered them dropped like morning fog from mouth of heavenly father eternal god deposited in ephemeral life all power compressed into a palm too small to wrap around his daddy's hearty thumb with cedar hands and filthy rags joseph cleaned the baby's body wrapped in swaddling flesh Enraptured and captured by his love, he looked into the child's damp, doe eyes and somehow saw God. He was the father's tears for lost children and he splashed into humanity like rain into a puddle. His holy, holy, holy human presence rippled through our waters and changed everything, burbled and gurgled. He crawled and wailed and reached out fragile fingers as he cried for mother to cradle him against her breast. He was only baby, only God the only God born into heart-pumping, blood-flowing flesh. But before he spilled his blood, this baby with plush and hungry tummy, with sleepy days, with please stop crying, this baby was God, is God, God with us with us in leave your past behind, with us in run away from home, with us in empty refrigerator shelves, with us in sexual abuse, and bills are due, in daddy issues, in treating our father on our behalf, in half-hearted prayers, with us in can anything good come from Kansas? Or the projects? or Chapel Hill, or Mexico, or the homeless shelter, or grief, or shame, or brokenness? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Well, yeah. Yeah, it can. And he did. And we call him Emmanuel.
0: Amen. Amen. So powerful. So powerful. Hannah is going to join us tonight as well. We're really honored to have her uh, speaking into our church in different forms. And um, tonight she's going to be with us at the event we're hosting at Cat's Cradle. So Christmas at the Cradle, which is an intentional outreach to our community, a time to offer a gift to our community uh, as a beginning for the Christmas season. And so the goal of that is uh, to meet in a place, an iconic place. that's a safe place for people from all over this community, those who might not ever come to a church event, Um, But us stepping into our community and hosting something at Cat's Cradle. And so we're going to do that tonight, and there are five different artists that are going to be with us, and Hannah is one of those, and we're really excited about that. So also Stephen and Mallory, who help lead worship here, are going to be Uh, Doing some stuff with us, and uh, Madison Hastings, who is one of our teens, her a band that she's part of, is going to be doing something there, and then a couple other uh, bands from our community, and it's gonna it's gonna be great. So we encourage you to invite people to come and to be a part of that. And uh, throughout the night, Hannah is going to be offering up poems uh, as a way of connecting the pieces of the night all together. It's going to be beautiful. And that poem that she just shared, that's, a, that's an original that uh, was written for this, for this moment. Isn't that right, Hannah? Yeah, for this moment. So it's going to be beautiful. Uh, a part of that that you need to know, the reason, another reason that we do this is it's a way for us to partner with Table, which is a local nonprofit that helps provide meals uh, for school children who are what they refer to as food insecure. In other words, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And so our friend Ashton Tippins, who heads up Table, uh, is partnering with us. And all of the proceeds from the event tonight, the tickets are $10. And all of that goes to support Table in what they're doing. So Cat's Cradle is donating all that. All the artists are donating uh, their time and talent for that. So we encourage you to come and be a part of it. Uh, If $10 is too much of a hurdle for you, then we completely understand that, and we want you to be there anyway, and we will cover the cost for you, okay? So if you want to do that, then um, then come be a part of it. And there are other people in this room that might want to step up and say, hey, I'm going to cover the cost for five people or for two people or for ten people to come and to be a part of that. So tonight, 6 o'clock, doors open, Cat's Cradle. We'll see you there. Amen. I don't know what to do, man. (laughs) I think we need to keep moving. (laughs) I just want to be sensitive to what is stirred up in here, man. Okay. If you've got something on your heart and you need to express it, then, then you feel free to interrupt me at any time, okay? All right. Also, another thing that we're going to invite you to be a part of is an Advent devotional for the next 25 days. We're walking through an Advent devotional, and uh, it can be found at dailytext.seedbed.com. And so we're partnering with our friends at seedbed.com, and uh, it's going to be Every day, it can be uh, delivered to your email. Also, there'll be recorded podcasts. You can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, You can search for Daily Text or Seedbed to subscribe to that podcast. And then also, uh, you can subscribe to the email online, dailytext.seedbed.com. Okay. Okay, let's keep going. Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today and next week. And over the Advent season, we're going to be walking through the Gospel of Luke's account of the announcement and the arrival, the birth of Jesus. And we're starting today in Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 5 through 20 if this word advent seems a little bit odd to you then here's just what you need to know it's just a word that simply means arrival and in the christian year as part of the christian calendar this is how the christian year begins so it's this very counter-cultural thing that right now the rest of the culture around us is talking about the end of the year and they're seeing this as the winding down time of the year right with the new year approaching but christians in the Church calendar in the Christian calendar. The season of Advent is the beginning of a new year. It's the beginning of new time. We mark time differently. Our lives are marked so differently. And so this countercultural thing where the rest of the culture around us is seeing an end. Christians, because the way we view the world, we're seeing a beginning. And so this is the beginning of a new year for us. As we anticipate that arrival of Jesus on Christmas morning. So it's a season that's set aside for anticipation, for waiting, for hope. A counterintuitive and countercultural approach that resists the temptation to rush. And to rush ahead to the manger. But we're taking our time getting there. And we're sinking down into the story of Israel who for generation after generation after generation passed down the promise. One day God is going to send his Messiah. God has not forgotten us. God remembers us. And one day he's going to send his Messiah. And they hoped in that. And they believed for that. And God answered that prayer in a way they could have never expected. But not just simply sending a prophet or a messenger. But sending his own son. And God himself coming to fulfill the promise. So that's what we do in this season of Advent. It's a time of waiting. And orienting ourselves in that larger story of what it was like for Israel to wait for the hope of the arrival of Jesus. And as Christians, we also during this season look ahead to the next Advent. To Advent again to the second coming of Jesus when he will make all things right, when he will heal all things. So that's what this season is about. We're going to begin by looking at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to go with verses 5 through 20 today, okay? Here's what it says. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood. To go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came. All the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him do not be afraid Zechariah. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord, their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper Amen. Amen. Let's let's walk through this. We're going to take a few uh, pieces of this and, and look at it together. We're going to start with the first line of this passage and the way that this story begins. It begins with these words in the time of Herod, in the time of Herod, who was the king over that region, like a governor type person over that region. He's partnered up with the Roman Empire and he is over that time. Over that, that region. And so it begins in that way. Setting that context for us. Orienting us in the sense of how the system was built in that day. And so Luke begins it that way. In the time of Herod. In the time of Herod. But before we even get to the end of this paragraph. We realize quickly. That this first sentence, the opening sentence of this paragraph is already obsolete before we can even finish it. Because, no, this is not the time of Herod anymore. This is not the time of Herod. That might have been the way they used to market and the way that the people of that moment were thinking of themselves. But that has quickly changed for all of Herod's political maneuvering and his skill in collecting power and his desire to build monument after monument to himself, solidifying him, his place in history among the great leaders, no one ever again will refer to this as the time of Herod. There it is, buddy. That's right. For all of the work that Herod put in to sealing his legacy, it's gone now. It's gone. We are nearing the arrival of King Jesus. And from this point on, that's how the world will see this moment. And that's how the world will see this time. In fact, we're going to mark time by his birth. Herod is about to be completely overshadowed by the light himself who is coming into this world. In the time of Herod that was transformed into the time of the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus himself. How would you describe the moment that you're in? Hmm. If you're to look back on your life or if you're to kind of put a title over this moment in your life in the time of fill in the blank for yourself. In the time of my unemployment, in the time of undergrad or grad school or PhD work, in my time of waiting, in my time of sickness, in the time of my divorce, my depression my addiction, in the time of my uncertainty. How would you define this moment that you're in? Then let me ask you a better question. How do you think God would redefine the time that you're in? not the time of King Herod anymore. It's the time of King Jesus. And that changes the way we see the entire story. And the same is true for you. Same is true for you. I wonder what kind of work God might be doing in your life during these days to define the time, to redefine the time that you are currently in. Wrestle with that as we keep moving on. It goes on to describe that there was a priest named Zechariah. And it tells us about his wife Elizabeth and that they served the Lord and that they walked with the Lord blamelessly, that they kept his commands, that they loved the Lord and that the Lord saw this. But it also describes Zechariah and Elizabeth in a painful way. It says that they were well along in years. And though they wanted badly to have children, they were unable to have children. Up to this point in their lives, and they had completely given up hope on that. It was their one hope, their deepest hope. And they had let go of it. The harsh reality had set in for them, the reality that their eyes would never see this hope fulfilled. They felt exiled in the desert of waiting. They thought that they would never see the promise. Zechariah and Elizabeth's story is so powerful. And it's so relatable. Because it's a microcosm of the whole history of Israel. And of where Israel is at this point in their history. And it's a microcosm of where all of creation is at this point in the story. Waiting Hoping, longing, waiting for the arrival of that hope. Their hope waned in the stifling silence of God. Maybe you've been there. Maybe some of you are there right now. Feeling like you're in the desert and you're waiting and you're longing and you don't know if you're ever going to experience the thing that you're hoping for the most. If that's your story, if you can relate all too well to what Zechariah and Elizabeth are experiencing, then let me say a couple of things. Number one, we're going to get into this a little bit more later, but number one. You aren't alone in that. You're surrounded by people. Who have had that experience. Or who are currently in that experience. And you aren't alone. I just want to encourage you to not be afraid. To speak up and to ask for help. And to ask to talk to someone. Don't be afraid. There's so many other people who've been through that. Who would be more than willing. To walk beside you. Through that time. As well, and help carry that weight with you. And number two, I just want you to know, the Lord sees you, and the Lord hears you, and the Lord has not forgotten you. And His heart bends towards you. The Lord sees you and He hears you. And he's not forgotten you. Let me ask you this question. When you find yourself in that desert of waiting. When you find yourself in that place. Where you feel like you're in exile. How do you respond. When it feels like God is not responding to you. How do you respond to God. When it feels like God is not responding to you. I find it so interesting. The response that we find here with Zechariah. Zechariah's response is this we find him in the act of worship we find him in the act of worship it's a, it's a duty that he's carrying out we understand that because of his heritage and because of being born into that line of the priesthood and his wife even being born into that family as well but we see him fully engaged in that Zechariah's response is to worship. He doesn't worship simply to escape reality, but he worships to engage with the most real reality. And it's in this act of worship that he's able to see the world for what it really is, that he's able to see his own life for what it really is. Is that's what worship is about. Listen, when you come in here on a Sunday morning, I know and we were praying about this before we started today. We just have this sense heavy on our heart today. I know that people walk down that tunnel right there and you walk into this theater and you're carrying so much on you. There's so much weight that you're carrying with you. There's hurt that you're carrying. There are burdens that you walk in here with. We understand that and we can feel that and we feel God's heart breaking for you in that. But when you come in this place and you begin to lift your voice up in singing, when you begin to engage in worship, sometimes you think of that as an escape, a momentary escape from the reality of the world out there. But you're not escaping reality in worship. You're engaging with the most real reality, and worship reorients us. Come on in.
1: <laughs>
0: Door is always open, except right now. <laughs> but that door's open. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's real reality right there. <laughs> but the real. Reality that tells us that God is in control of all things, that he is God, that he sees you and he loves you and you belong to him. You belong to him. There's nothing that you're carrying right now that he doesn't want to carry for you, that he's not able to carry for you, that he's not able to navigate you through. He's with you. That's the promise of Advent. God is with us. God is with us. It's so encouraging to know that God is for us. But it takes us to a completely different level when we begin to realize that God is with us. God is with us. I have something to share with you. Go, Donna. As I'm reading this and, in, and internalizing it, I would say, how do we respond to God when we feel like God is not responding to us? Mm-hmm. The only time I ever feel like God is not responding to me is because I'm not responding. That's right. That's That's right. Thank you, Don. Thank you for that wisdom. That's beautiful. Thank you. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So the next piece says this. The angel responds to Zechariah. His response when the angel speaks to him is obviously one of fear, all right? Because that's what you do when you see a flaming angel standing in front of you out of nowhere, all right? You're expecting to be in a place by yourself, and then it's like, what's up? All right. Pretty sure he didn't say what's up. That's the message version. Okay. <laughs> I love you, Gene Peterson. All right. Okay. So in this moment where it says he's gripped with fear, right? He's startled. Yes. But it goes on to say he's gripped with fear. And the angel responds in, in the same way that we see a messenger of God responding over and over and over again through scripture. Because they have to lead with this. All right. Because people are always afraid. So they always lead with do not be afraid. All right. Do not be afraid. And there's this sense of like, OK, don't run away. But more than that, this sense that goes over and it's this overarching sense for his life. Do not be afraid. In this moment, the curtain is getting pulled back and you are catching a glimpse of the most real reality. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. Do you think Zechariah knew immediately what prayer he was talking about? I think he did. I think he did. And I think Zechariah carried within him this twin prayer of waiting and longing for the arrival of the hope of Israel. For the coming of the Messiah. And also at the same time this deep longing that he and Elizabeth shared together to have a child. And it's beautiful that God is beginning to answer both of these prayers in the same moment the name zechariah it was a common name given to male children in that time and throughout israel's history we have a prophet that carries that name as well and it's a it's a common name and of course it would be common because here's what it means yahweh remembers yahweh remembers what a world, word of hope for the people of God, And here's Zechariah carried this around every day of his life. He was given this name right after his birth and he carries it around. And every time someone speaks to him and every time someone addresses him and every time he introduces himself to someone, there's an echo and a reminder and the seed getting planted in the depth of his soul. I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten you. I see you. And I've not forgotten. It's so beautiful. And it's so incredible. This is the hope of Advent. This word that comes to us. that says do not be afraid. Your prayer has been answered. Your prayer has been answered. The deepest longing of humanity. Is about to be fulfilled. Through the arrival. That will come. Of Jesus. This is advent it's beautiful i find it so encouraging and so hopeful and it tells us so much about the character of who god is that god chooses zechariah and elizabeth to give birth to john the baptist the one who will become the forerunner for the messiah jesus's own cousin who's going to end up paving the way for the arrival of jesus and i think it's so hopeful That God answers this overarching, large picture, cosmic scale prayer of humanity. And at the same time, he's answering the prayer of one older couple. Who in the privacy of their own home have mourned together, have wept together, have longed together. This is the way God moves. He's moving in the lives of the entire world. And at the same time, he decides to do it. By answering the prayer of this one couple that barely shows up on anyone else's radar. This is how God moves. Let me ask you this question. What prayer remains unanswered in your life? It's okay for you to be honest about that. And it's okay for you to even feel the weight of disappointment and hurt, even anger. Over that. What prayer remains unanswered in your life? What longing is yet unfulfilled? What need, what fear, what obstacle threatens you? I think it's so beautiful that he answers the prayer of this one couple and uses it to bless so many. So let me challenge you with this thought as well. Perhaps. This unanswered prayer that you're longing for. Perhaps this thing that you're expecting and hoping. And praying for. Maybe it's even a point of pain in your life. Perhaps the redemption of your pain. Is the beginning of someone's healing. Perhaps the redemption of your pain is the beginning of someone's healing. That's how he does it for Zechariah and Elizabeth. He answers that deep longing of their heart. But in doing that, he blesses the whole world. And suddenly this pain that they have felt year after year after year. Is transformed into joy. Not just for them, it tells us that there will be great joy at the birth of this child, but not just for them. All of Israel will rejoice because he will be the forerunner who paves the way and prepares the people for the arrival of the Lord. What's the pain you're experiencing in your life? We've said this over and over, and we've got to keep coming back to it. It's important to keep coming back to this and help you know. God does not send evil into your life. God does not cause evil. God does not cause evil. God does prune in your life like we've talked about before, and it will hurt, but it will never harm you. It will hurt at times, but it will never harm you. So not all of the pain that you are experiencing in your life, you don't need to say that all of that pain is coming from God, okay? Because God doesn't cause evil and he doesn't send evil into your life. But here is the hope that we absolutely know and hold to is that God can redeem absolutely any pain that you're experiencing. You might not be able to trace back the cause of it, but he can retrace the future of it. And he can redeem absolutely any pain that you're experiencing in your life. Perhaps the redemption of your pain is the beginning of someone else's healing. We see that come true throughout the life of Jesus. As we look ahead to where this story is going to eventually take us. We see that it's the pain that Jesus goes through on the cross. That brings about the healing. Of the world. Jesus on his last night. With his disciples. Took the bread. That was on the table. This part of the meal. And an element of the meal. That was so familiar to them. And when he took the bread. He infused it. With new meaning for the people. And he said. This bread. This bread. Is my body broken to make you whole? The pain that I will go through. The suffering that I'm about to endure on the cross. Is going to bring healing to your life. And he took the cup that was on the table. And he said this cup represents the blood of the new covenant. Poured out for the salvation of the world. Every time you taste it, remember What I have done for you and rejoice in your salvation. We're going to share in this meal today. As we wait, as we hope, as we expect and long for the arrival of Jesus at Christmas. We know that he has, in fact, answered our deepest longings and our deepest hope. By bringing us into a relationship with God. Through his sacrificial death. On the cross. If you want to experience that. And express that today. And celebrate that today. Then we invite you to come to the table. And to share in this meal. There will be a station on this side. And a station on this side. There will also be a gluten free option. Over here if you need that. As you come up to the. Bread and the cup. You tear off a piece of the bread, dip it into the cup, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is Jesus, our great hope. He has redefined everything about our lives. And he's taught us that pain can be redeemed and can become a blessing. And he fulfills that ultimately. And what we symbolize here is death that brings us life. Come to the table and let's share in his meal together.